everybody to another episode of Small Council Radio. On tonight's show, we are going to be finally diving into the 2021 uh, reveals. We're going to start with Free Folk, as I have seen a lot of people kind of concerned about them at the moment. Uh, I figured we'd go in the order of the factions in which people are kind of worried about their play style or uh, just worried in general about how the faction is going to function compared to what they were and what they are currently at. Um, So because there's been so much revealed, we're going to have to break each faction into a two-parter because as most of you already know, we take pretty deep dives into, uh, you know, content as far as new things being revealed. Um, There's definitely, there's, amazing channels out there that kind of do more of a, you know, less of a deep dive and they do amazing at it. Uh, I definitely, I recommend, uh, you know, all content creators out there definitely try to, you know, if we're one of the only ones you listen to, uh, you know, definitely try to find some of the other, other content creators out there because they do an amazing job like uh, Sunday Slaughter on the table gaming um, tabletop warden, uh, there's just so many good content creators out there, and I definitely uh, I high, highly recommend all of them. Uh, but so for tonight, uh, we do have with us Justin. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, hello. And then uh, we have a special announcement uh, that I was kind of alluding to, I believe, last show. Uh, we have added a new member to Small Council Radio, and I want to introduce Spencer. Thank you so much uh, for coming on and being a part of the team. Yeah, not a problem. So uh, most of you probably don't know Spencer. Uh, Spencer is, um, you know, he's my best friend, and I've known him basically my whole life. He, uh, you know, he play, he's been playing war games uh, with me since pretty much senior year in high school, which was, I don't know, too long ago. <laughs> uh and, you know, though he's not really active on Facebook, and so you probably won't, wouldn't recognize him if he did uh, comment, uh, I assure you he is a great player, even if he might not uh, give himself the credit for that. Um, he is really great at war games, and just every game, you know, every game we've ever played in general. Um, I know some of you have uh, heard me talk about the Dragon Ball Z card game that uh, I used to play. Uh, Spencer played that with me, and uh, Spencer actually even went to Worlds, uh, the first Worlds, uh, which was an awesome achievement. Um, you know, we went all the way to a, a big event in Canada uh, for that invite. Um, and, you know, uh, you know, I'll, I'll stop, uh, you know, taking all the light from you, Spencer. Uh, if if you don't mind, uh, why don't you give us kind of a, a recap of your, you know, just your gaming experience in general. Yeah, uh, so for me, it started, like David said, around senior year in high school. Uh, originally, David was into uh, Warhammer 40,000, and I thought it was kind of stupid. And <laughs> that changed when... I was playing a game for Fire Warrior, and David pointed out, hey, that's actually one of the races in the 40K universe. That was the game, the miniature game I play. And I guess that's where my plastic addiction started. So, I, uh, yeah, I played 40K for quite a while, and eventually David continued to get me into plastic videos or uh, plastic games and got me into Ice and Fire. 
I have read the book, so I kind of already knew what was going on. Um, and that's kind of where it began. Uh, I suppose the factions I would say I mostly play is Baratheon, uh, with Targaryen, Stark, and Lannisters as well. Which is, makes it kind of odd that this is the show I'm starting on, because pretty so far faction I've never played. <laughs> I figured, uh, so, you know, uh, for those kind of wondering the same thing, uh, I wanted to kind of bring Spencer in here, because uh, Tuesdays is is the days that you're kind of available on the two days we do our show that, and I figured, you know, it's, it's the first uh, episode where we're going to be talking about the 2021 updates. Uh, and I figured, uh, even though it's not your, one of the factions you play, um, uh, you know, I figured, you know, now is as good a time as any. <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, so we're going to jump right into this. I want to jump into Free Folk Raiders because even though we were shown them before, they have gotten a slight change. Uh, and I kind of wanted to talk about it, you know, briefly and how, you know, I thought they were pretty fair before, and now I think they're just amazing. Uh, so the difference is, is uh, they now have a 7-up morale instead of an 8-up morale. And then instead of... Uh, having cowardly and suffering two extra wounds from a failed panic test, they now have disorganized, uh, so a way better name, and only suffer one additional wound from failed panic tests. So basically taking the same amount of damage for a failed panic as, you know, 1.6 was taking. Uh, and, you know, everything else I believe is the same. Five up save, move is a five, four up to hit with a six, five, four, and it's insignificant excuse me, insignificant. Um, so, yeah, I think these guys are amazing now at four points. Um, I almost think they might be a little too good for four points, and that's only be- I only say that because I thought they were fine the way they were. Um, I guess changing it to uh, only plus one wound for disorganized uh, is fine, but I think the 7-up morale, I don't know. Uh, it's it's too early to tell, I guess, is the best way to put it. Um, but uh, I have a couple other callers here. Uh, Justin, if you wouldn't mind uh, kind of you and Spencer talking about these guys for a moment while I kind of uh, screen some of these callers. Yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah, this, this I want to kind of mention what Dave had said about the better name for Disorganized. Not only is it a better name because Cowardly just sucks as a name, but it makes so much more sense than Spencer. I know you read the books too, so me and you would talk about that a lot. Were Free Folk ever Cowardly? No. But Disorganized, 100%. It is like the perfect name for this ability. And yeah, That was kind of the biggest weakness as an army was that they weren't organized. John Snow yeah. even says it in the show that like, your biggest problem is discipline. You don't have it. A hundred percent. So I love the name change a bunch. Honestly, I think the rule is better, too. Um, well, they are really good for four points. Uh, suffering, even with the new panic rules, switching to D3, suffering two extra wounds with the plethora of new abilities that allow things to add wounds on top of panic tests. Uh, I think plus one extra wounds is a good spot. It hurts a lot. But it's also not like, oh, great, that plus two extra wounds just killed my entire unit or something, right? Yeah, I would definitely agree. Uh, the plus one is fine even with that. Uh, it, it is good. I just found it odd that you also gave him a morale as well. Yeah. Like, that just seemed like you up on that. <laughs> that it's definitely a good concept. point. 
100% a good point. It worries me a lot because these guys' stat line is almost the exact same as cutthroats. <laughs> Just the abilities are different. Yeah, I mean, but insignificant is such a powerful point, ability. Yeah, being one point cheaper and getting a one point off of an attachment. That, that's a yep. lot. And they're literally like takeaway abilities and their stat line's the exact same as cutthroats. I say cutthroats because obviously I'm neutral, so that's my comparison. Their their stat line's exactly the same except one less dice, but they get that free attachment. This unit's super good now. Mm. It is super good. Players worried about raiders getting two nerfs. You'll still see plenty of them. That insignificant is a bigger deal than I think most people realize. Insignificant is huge, especially in like major tournaments or just any kind of tournament where you're playing with points on the line. Like, I had to fight two Free Folk players in a tournament once, and that severely hurt me. My victory points were so much less than they could have been, and it allows you to play a lot more risky end game with units. End game where you have a couple wounded units and things are really close to death and you really don't want to give your opponent victory points. With Raiders, you can just do whatever you want because the worst-case scenario is you lose a unit and they don't get anything in return except wasting an attack. No, uh, I am back. David always... Oh, finish, go ahead and finish your okay. thought, uh, Spencer. I was, was going to say, whenever Dave plays free folk against me or what he does, he just throws his raiders all in front, so I have to kill the raiders to even get to anything significant. <laughs> mm-hmm. And now with yeah. uh, with this 1.7, there's so many less ways to turn off abilities. They're far and few between now, uh, where you're not really oh. getting rid of insignificant too often. No, so uh, we having, do... We do have a uh, guest on. Uh, I wanted to introduce uh, Murray. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Uh, so uh, go ahead and finish your, your thought real quick, Spencer. I was saying also then you combine it with like the Walrus Chieftain and just a Raider unit for what, five points? And it's extremely durable. Yeah, it's not going anywhere with anytime all, soon. <laughs> yeah, with all the reducing attacks and abilities. Mm-hmm. Well, and I th- I think that's the main reason why I think it might be too good is because uh, combined it with the Chieftain, uh, you're not taking much damage through attacks. You're really needing that panic test to fail. And Mance Bubble is okay. You know, it's at least a bubble, and you can kill Mance. But now that you don't, necessarily need that bubble because i mean a seven up is still a 50 50 with no modifier and then uh just plus one is just what we're used to with uh um 1.6 so i'm just worried that it with a chieftain in them that uh they're going to just be too tanky for five points and being worth no victory points and with that said i want to jump over to murray what uh what are your thoughts about these guys i was uh i was afraid with uh the keyword cowardly on the preview, but uh, I'm uh, very happy <laughs> with taking just one more wound um, on panic tests, which basically just means it's um, what it was for uh, 1.6 and having better morale and not losing insignificant. Um, what's not to like? Plus a discount um, and also the flexibility of the take, taking them, just uh, one of them. You know, not, I mean, you can have uh, odd number of raiders don't have to be tied to even uh there's a lot of flexibility there yep so i think these guys uh before they changed them so the eight up morale and the two extra wounds 
they were a nice, I don't know, for me, I, I've played more Free Folk, I think, than any other 2021. Uh, mind you, that is some games with the the leaked stuff that uh, wasn't ever meant supposed to be go out there. We, uh, you know, I was able to see those files and kind of get a little games in and um, just kind of get a feel for maybe some of the stuff. And um, I, I liked them the way they were. I felt that they were fair and they made it into my list just enough, like two, sometimes three. Um, now I could definitely see all Raider spam again because of this slight change. But, again, we'll have to wait and see uh, how it kind of – before we linger too long on them, I'm going to jump over to – where were they? Thens. So Thens is another one I wanted to quickly uh, go over because they had a slight change to what we were shown in the visions. Uh, they simply were just given unyielding. Uh, and if you were uh, able to listen to that show, I mentioned how Thens were good and they had their place – but you were only ever maybe going to run one of them. And even then, they were slightly less desirable than all the other five-point units. I think simply adding this one thing, they're right up there now. I think Simon did an awesome job at, with adding this on there because now, I mean, they took what was easily, I think, kind of the the weakest of all the five-point units that they showed us, and now they're right in the pack. And they're right, it just depends on the role you need them for of how, you know, how high in that ranking that they go. Uh, and I want to jump over to uh, Murray uh, first. What's your thoughts on these guys? Um, I've always wanted to make things work um, and never been able to really be happy with them. I... I mean, like, being able to um, not take as much, you know, panic damage, um, they seem to slot in nicely with the other five-point units. Um, Taunt, I I don't know. I've never been much of a fan of Taunt and been able to get it to work, so I just feel like it's kind of like, oh, it's a nice, um, nice, like, oh, hey, it's, you know, extra ability, but not really something that you take. Like, but this could be a decent bunker for, I guess, a – a commander that you wanted to keep alive, live, you need to keep alive for cards or even um, uh, just just throwing out those tokens. Like, uh, I guess that's old fire and blood, but <laughs> but yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's a good it's a good uh, it's a good bunker for your uh, for your commander, I guess. Yep, I definitely think that's a perfect place for him. I, I wouldn't say it's an auto like an you got to have your commander in this unit, but I think it's a, a pretty easy choice. Uh, Justin, what do you think of these guys? Uh, so I always liked the Thens idea of giving free folk a defensive unit. Um, yeah, these guys, they're really, I don't I don't know, with the right combo. So I feel like free folk really work off their attachments. They always have. Um, maybe it's slightly different now. So this is another unit where you're going to look at, especially when with Panic being D3, where if you put a Walrus Chieftain in here or something and have them at six points and stick them in the middle of the field, they're going to be fairly hard to crack. I mean, obviously the four-up save and six-up morale, you can do it. Um, but unless you have things that uh, – you can do it fairly easy if you do it right. But unless you have things that really add to panic, like it's not – you're not going to be seeing much damage being done to these guys overall, especially with the, the changes to the dice and the to hit rolls. Um, and with them being in the middle of the field, you may not have uh, an option for it. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, I think uh, these guys have some cool uh, combo potential. Um, as me and Spencer have tested out a couple times, you know, being able to taunt a ranged unit, it's not easy. Uh, but, I mean, it's definitely uh, a solid strategy. Just march up to a ranged unit and uh, before they've activated, forcing them to charge you because, you know, unless you're the amazing Night's Watch crossbowman with a five-up morale, uh, you know, <laughs> you're making them take a minus three, which I think most ranged units are a seven or eight. Um, so you're looking at uh, 10 or 11 to pass that. Um, but before I get off on a tangent of so many combos, uh, Spencer, what do you think of these guys? I think they're really good. Uh, there is combo potential. I worry that they still will only be a one-of unless you're doing a themed list. Um, I will point out my poor Lannister crossbowman when you marched in front of me and then taunted me into you. That, that was great. Thanks. <laughs> um <laughs> But, yeah, they're, they're a good unit. That unyielding will really actually, I think, help more than most people would like to think. Because once you start hurting them, then now you're not hurting them with panic anymore, and that that makes them stick around even longer. Uh, they're a good, solid unit. I just don't know unless you're running themed if you run more than one of them. I think um, there's one thing that to point out. They're pretty much as offensive as all the other Free Folk units, too, though. Yeah, they just lack a keyword, really. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, like, at one more point to Raiders, uh, they do hit harder. I know Raiders are one less point with all the other abilities uh, and the, the attachment thing, but, like, they're not, for this edition or this this update, they're not slouches in combat. They kind of fit both roles pretty well. And I have and to I'd say like to my point favorite, that... I was going to say my favorite part about them is that they actually combo, like, super well with Steyr. Like, you know, the commander of the Thens, you know, because Steyr has Iron Resolve, which gives plus one to panic test rolls and minus one wound from failing panic tests. So that means if you put Steyr in them as your bunker at last rank, unless they have a modifier, uh, you you could fail all the panic tests in the world. You might trigger the failed panic test triggers on some cards, but you will never take any wounds and never die from panic. But go ahead, Spencer, what were you going to say? I was going to say, even you were talking about how they lack the keywords for offensive punch. Well, if you diversify your list, followers of bone or even uh, cave dweller savages, now you got that card, coordination tactics, I believe, that will give them it for a turn. Yep, exactly. Um, I think uh, one thing for, you know, Free Folk players, you really have to diversify, uh, especially early on. I'm not saying that a super diverse list is going to be the key to winning, like, the top events, but I think your first couple games, definitely try just, like, every unit with their corresponding attachment. You could even do, like, Zen Warriors with uh, Steyr or Mance, and then just do, you know, Sparewise, Matriarch, uh, Alpha and Savages, uh, you know, a Bone Lord's Cho or um, a Champion of Bone and the Followers, and so on, and just see how well they combo. And that's not because those attachments have to go in there. The attachments work fairly well and as a mixture, but I think it'll give you a nice 
clue of how you want to kind of develop your list. And you'll kind of see actually the benefits of having like super diverse free folk lists because I think that's where the list that I found the most fun playing uh, is the ones where I just have, you know, maybe two raiders, but everything else is different. Um, but before we get a little stuck on them, because uh, those two units I wanted to kind of briefly cover because we did cover them in the Visions uh, show last time, but they had changed since then. Um, next up, we have Free Folk uh, Trappers. Now, these guys have been kind of the talk of the town um, because their hidden traps order changed. Um, I want to say they are I, I, I don't have the old card with, with on me anymore, but I want to say they're the same as they were before, just hidden traps has changed. Um, maybe their dice amounts have changed, but that might, might have been it. Anyways, um, their order hidden traps, when an unengaged enemy in long range performs any action before resolving that action, that enemy suffers one hit for each of its remaining ranks and triggers a disorderly on one and two. Um. At four points, uh, I just I can't see these guys being taken. To be totally honest, the hidden traps I think just won't do that much. And you have you know an amazing option of free folk raiders who get a free attachment and are insignificant. I mean I know free folk trappers provide a different role. They have you know their short bow or the wild wildling bow for short range shots, and they have that hidden trap for some hits. But um, I don't know. I just I can't see myself taking them over one more point and taking Spearwives or just the Raiders. Uh, what uh, what do you think, Justin? We'll start with you. Um, hmm. I think if they would have been would have kept because they had insignificant before, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. So I feel like if maybe they would have kept that, we'd be talking a little different about them. I don't think they're like horrible, but I don't think they match up to what other units do. Um, it would, the idea of it's nice, like forcing people to disorderly charge more often or whatever, but it doesn't really happen too often as most people have noticed. Uh, and then one hit for each remaining rank is so situational. Like even against a five up save unit, two wounds. I mean, I guess two wounds is probably is on average what they were doing before, but it drops off as, armor increases, right? So, I mean, like, two of save, walking through them, just, wow, my ability did literally nothing. I'm super glad that I have six attacks that head on fours. Well, and that just depends on the armor save, because at most, you only do three hits. Uh, so, um, yeah. if you have, like, a four-up armor save, I mean, it's 50-50 if you even do two. If they have a three-up I mean, armor, I mean, you're doing maybe one. Oh, yeah, Champions one. of the Stag? They're just walking right through that. Yeah. You wouldn't exactly. even use the order um, on them. Well, yeah, because then it would only be two hits <laughs> on a two-up. Uh, yeah. Now, hidden traps would be okay against, like, five-up, six-up, because then there's possibility you're doing three wounds. But, but only know, okay. I think maybe, maybe it should have been, like, one plus one for every remaining rank. Uh, that way you can get four hits. Um, I don't know. I feel like just maybe more hits would be the way to make these guys shine a little better. Um, Spencer, what do you That's think? That's what I there, and it's at least guaranteeing minimum two hits even when they're at one rank. Um, 
ironically, I think the biggest thing that hurts these guys is that Raiders' morale went up. The Raiders have better morale even than these guys. Um, yep. Yeah, I, I struggle to see where their place is going to be in the Army when you can have Raiders or, as you said, one point more, you get a significantly more offensive unit in Fearwatch. Maybe as a one-up to be kind of a cheap harassing unit? I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm... It, it's uh, early to tell. Something I wanted to mention, actually, at the beginning of the show, and I forgot, uh, is that, you know, if you've uh, downloaded the new app for either Android or iPhone, um, you know, it says, you know, beta test. You know, so nothing that they've shown on the app is set in stone from my understanding. You know, we're essentially all the beta testers for them. And so I have a feeling that they did that on purpose because, you know, the file got leaked and they wanted, they probably just made the decision of, you know, let's release it all right now and let's just let everyone be testers and take the community's feedback and worst case scenario, they just say no. Like if they don't agree with us, they just say no. But at least our voices are heard, uh, which I can respect. You know, I can respect the fact that you know they would trust us with all this info, and uh, you know because obviously a lot of the stuff was different than the leaked stuff. They could have just let us wonder. You know, they could have just left us with the leaked file that was never supposed to, you know, get out there. But um, you know, they trust us to show us what I can only assume is the current up-to-date, at least on their end, um, going through its, uh, you know, its molding, you know. So just wanted to put it, put that out there that, you know, nothing of this is set in stone. I'm sure hidden traps could change if they see that people just aren't running them. Uh, but who knows? Uh, I have not used them yet since they've had this newest rendition. Uh, so uh, time will tell. Um, but we'll end off with uh, Murray. What do you think about these guys? Uh, uh, it makes me a little sad. I, I, I would take maybe uh, definitely always would never leave home without one. And at most I'd be running three of them. And I just don't see how they can beat Raiders, like you guys have said, or beat Spearwise or any of the other units that it's trading like spots with points-wise. Um I mean, they, they're not for sure on going to be able to protect yourself from uh, getting hit by dogs anymore um, when you're going against Starks. Uh, and I don't think the sorely uh, charges, you know, triggering those are as important anymore with all the ability to get rerolls and stuff that are built into other card effects. So I just don't see them... You know, like you guys said, shining and beating out any of the other ones. Um, it might be just like, oh, hey, nostalgia. I'm going to run my my trappers. <laughs> so, I... <laughs> yeah, I'm, it's unfortunate, uh, you know, how different the hidden traps is. You know, from auto, you know, auto wounds to hits. But another thing I wanted to point out, point out about the disorderly on ones and twos. A lot of times, if you need a three or higher to get in, it's just like, okay, either I'm in or I'm not. <laughs> like, there is no disorderly at that point. So uh, if that could basically make this part not even uh, matter, 
But I don't know. We'll see uh, how it kind of shapes out for them. But last uh, unit, I wanted to – oh, no, sorry, not last unit. There's a couple others. Um, mammoths. Uh, this one, uh, Murray, I'm going to let you kind of take it off uh, a little bit because I mammoths were the only unit I never got to really mess with. So I don't know how different they are uh, compared to this version. So what do you think of these guys? Um, uh, so the funny thing is I've not really played with mammoths much either. Um, at that point, I, <laughs> when they came out, um, I had decided to try to focus on uh, some Baratheons. But oh, okay. um, from what I can tell, you, they in Trample, they lose the ability to uh, disengage and just you know, run through units, uh, which seems like a pretty big deal to me. Um, I'm not sure. I think maybe their morale got worse. Uh, I don't know for sure oh, or yeah. not. I'm being lazy. I and, actually um, have my uh, cards right here. <laughs> <laughs> and then also, uh, they they definitely got worse um, with their um, attack with them. You know, with their what they hit on. But I mean, that's to be expected because uh, three plus is not as um, prevalent in the game anymore, but um, I, I have not tried them to know whether they're uh, good enough to be. They're definitely not. I feel like the auto include that they were, but I mean, uh, they well, seem to be, let's, maybe they're cheekier. So I have the card here with me. I will. Uh, I'll go over the changes. So. Um, the changes are they hit on a 4-up instead of a 3-up now. Their morale is a 6-up instead of a 3-up. So that's a 3-point uh, decrease. That's and big. then, um, let's see. Uh, looks like uh, the Mammoth part um, is part is still the same, which is... Uh, they have eight wounds, they can't control objectives, and if they fail panic, they don't suffer wounds, but instead they uh, allow a trample action that your opponent gets to control the pivot. Um, whereas before it was your opponent, before your opponent got to control it throughout the trample action, now it looks like um, your opponent just moves it for its, just pivots it, and then you do the rest. Uh, but then trample uh, used to be if this unit performs any action, it may instead use trample. It pivots and it marches, even if engaged, and may move through enemies during this march. Each non-solo unit, friendly or enemy, moved through suffers D3 pl uh, wounds plus one for every remaining uh, rank, and it changed to. Each time this unit performs a march action, it may replace that action with a trample action. It piv pivot it, move it 12 inches, moving through units. If it ends over a unit, it instead stops one inch before it. Each non-solo move through it suffers. Uh, uh, each non-solo unit move through, or that it would have ended on suffers D3 wounds. So basically, it's keeping you out of an inch. You can't do it while engaged, and you have to go the full 12 inches. Because technically a pivot, or technically a march, you could just march an inch or something, and then just say, okay, that was my march. Uh, now they've actually cleaned up the wording, and 
took away a lot of the shenanigans, I think. Because, uh, yeah, I think this version of the Mammoth, um, I don't know if it's uh, – we'll see if it's six points. Um, it seems like it's right on that uh, you know, that cusp, like that it might actually be worth six points, but it's hard to tell. Uh, Mammoths were one of the things that a lot of people had a hard time with and really did not enjoy playing against. Um, so I think uh, it was nice that they actually – you know, we're able to rework them in such a way that I think uh, that they're probably a lot more tame. Um, but we'll have to see uh, how useful they are. Uh, Spencer, what do you think of these guys? I know we personally have not played with them because I just got my mammoth, mammoths in, but uh, on paper, what do you think? On paper, I would say before they were near busted, and yeah, I could definitely see how several armies can handle them. Now, I would say, looking on paper, I don't know if they're a six-point unit, but they at least look like the rules are balanced much more than they used to be. And that makes me happy. I just want to see balanced rules, not not stuff that just walks over everything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Justin, how about you? So, how come you can't use trample when you're engaged? Um, just because... Uh, Is it because your opponent controls see. the pivot? No, let's see. Each time it's it's you get a march that. action. Three units. Well, because uh, the old card, or the current, the 1.6 card, or 1.5, whatever it says on here on the card, it says... Um, it pivots, then marches, even if engaged. The new version does not have that uh, uh, parentheses for if engaged. It just but, says uh, each. But why would why would I, it trample if it fails a panic test when the most common form of failing a panic test is while engaged? I think the the your opponent doing that uh, might be the. Uh, yeah, it makes it harder, but there would be still situations in which you're still going to run through units. So the, I guess, the uh, mammoth's positioned where it can't avoid a unit if it were to move 12 inches. Okay, so here's why you can't. Um, trample is each time this unit performs a march action. So you can't choose a march action if you're engaged. Yeah, but this says if a unit fails a panic test, it performs a trample action. Instead of suffering yes. wounds, it performs a trample action. Yes, so you, uh, you failing a panic test is the exception to being able to trample while engaged. Yeah. Okay, okay. The reason so that's what can't... I wanted to ask about, because it sounded like you guys were saying it can't do it engaged at all unless it fails a panic test. No, you can't voluntarily do it uh, while engaged. Yeah, yeah I, uh, I agree. The only way it can do yeah, Okay. Okay, cool. Uh, I don't know. I think this unit could be pretty good. I, how many points is it? I don't see the back of the card, and I don't have my app open. Six? Mm, I don't think it's bad for six. It's fast, too. I think that's something to rely on, something that free folk don't have a lot of. Uh, its base is smaller. You don't really need the four-up to hit too often if you're trying to trample things anyways. I, I don't know. I've always seen auto-wound potential as something that's very valuable. Yep. Yeah, I think this guy is like, I think he's probably six points. Um, yeah. 
if he was five, he'd be a really good five point. Like he'd be, but you're only allowed two of them, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, let me check the back of the card here. Um, yeah, two only allowed two. So even if they were five points, at least you couldn't spam a ton of them. Uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, I think they're worth six. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll jump over to Giants. Um, let me pull up Giants I have right here uh, to see the differences again. I believe uh, – I know Mighty Swing changed, and I know that – I just don't know if, what the stats changed to. So it looks like the only stat change was they went from a 3-up morale to a 5-up morale. And now they have uh, – uh, Furious Swing is instead of uh, D3 plus 2 plus – one for every wound he has, they took away the plus two. So it's just D3 and then plus one wound for every wound he has. But uh, he still has that extra wound that he gained from uh, the last update uh, because they used to, I believe, only have five wounds. Um, but So he still has the six wounds and the effect where he can only ever suffer two wounds uh, from a failed panic test as a max, no matter what buffs you have. Uh, so this guy with five wounds dealt to him can still do D3 plus five. Um, so I think, uh, you know, for seven points, I think he's still good. I just don't see a lot of people running maybe more than one of them. I think uh, it's underappreciated that uh, you control and contest for the amount of wounds you have. And having six is a big deal. You know, uh, you have to be brought down to less than half health for a giant to really even start, uh, you know, taking away their ability to control and contest uh, things. So, um, Spencer, we'll start with you on these guys. Yeah, that last point you were making about the wounds for contesting and controlling objectives, I feel that's undervalued even though I don't play Free Folk myself, so I don't quite know if it's valued very high anyway. But I've noticed that with solos in general, just being able to, hey, I'm just going to charge just to contest, makes a big deal at times. Um, I still think because they were reducing auto wounds across the board for most armies, that they're losing the plus two to the D3, that's fair. They're still really hard hitting when they want to be, or and they're still not easy to just take down in one swing. Uh Seven points, okay. They're, they're not quite a dragon, but that's fun. Uh, Murray, what do you think about these guys? I think the changes are per- perfectly re- uh, reasonable, um, especially with this, like you know, the decrease of damage, um, make it less where you can just almost wipe out a unit. Um, there's, yeah, they're still very, very tanky, you know, for free folk with that four up and, um, the, uh, you know, uh, path, you know, rounding, rounding, um, for every two hits, um, making it a wound, you know, what's not to like seven points. Sure. They're pricey for free folk, but I mean, you're not going to be running, you know, a ton of these, um, 
anyways. You know, you need you need the activations anyways. So you just have him maybe take taking a pretty important objective, um, have him be able to fight maybe fight for it, and then battle attrition. Um, eventually, he should win. So. Yeah, and we aren't talking about NCUs uh, today, but or no, we are. Um, so I will, uh, before we uh, uh, jump into the NCUs, I do want to reference that Craster has a new uh, one-time ability, and he will be perfect for these guys. He will come in handy to make sure that the giant, even though you want wounds on the giant to do more damage, a dead giant does nothing for you. So... Uh, you know, these guys are, gonna, I think, going to have a place. Um, I think people are just so used to how much damage they, the 1.6 can put out. Uh, but one very, very important, probably the most important thing to keep in mind, Walder does not do Walder things anymore. Your giant will not be shut off. <laughs> so uh, these guys, I think, will definitely be seen a lot more than they used to simply because Walder is not just a, a blanket shut off a unit. And shutting off, uh, as uh, had been mentioned earlier in the show, is a lot less seen. Um, so uh, the only thing even, I think you'll have to... Even, Go ahead. I was, I was just saying, even then, like I think isn't his, uh, his mighty swing now basically innate where you can't strip it? It's... Um... Part of his oh base. the fur- um, furious swing yeah it's a heart symbol I, yeah. I my brain was yeah. looking at it but yeah. it's underneath the sword symbol so I I kind of like blocked uh-huh. it out but yeah you're correct you uh, you can't even turn off any of his things uh, and if I recall there's not many things that reduce dice mm. as much as there used to be because you can reduce dice to zero and that was another way to get around a giant was to like uh, Martial superiority, is that what it's called? Um, mar- martial training. Yep, it sucks when it happens. And, you know, turning the dice to zero, and it's like, oh, yeah, that one. Um, so, and there's other effects, too, I believe. But still, I, I, I'm sure there's something out there, but nothing comes to mind. And I'm sure it's not going to be as, like, um, abundant. So I think these guys seem like they aren't going to hit as hard, but a lot of their, like, hard counters, I think, are gone. Uh, Spencer, Spencer, what do you think about these guys? Uh, like I said before, I, I, I do think they're still good. Um, I think they're probably only a one-up. You're not going to spam them because you want activations. But a one-up, that, that can still be a big threat that your opponent has to deal with. Don't forget yeah. also that uh, this is – they're harder to kill than ever before. Yeah, they have the same amount of wounds, but thanks, like there's, I mean, I, I don't know if there's anything in the game that can realistically one-shot them now. Before, you'd have to use cards and stuff to... Who? The plus two to morale will actually make the morale proc to do two wounds more well, often, though. Well, sure, definitely, but they're still only taking uh, the medium amount of wounds. You would need to but, do eight. Yeah, so... Do four and a field and, panic. In the past, what I would do is I could, like, I could blades are sharp, ten attacks hitting on twos, and then I have to get them to fail that panic test to kill him. Now, I don't know of anything in my faction that can one-shot a giant, which is scary, because if you get close to one-shotting him, you in trouble, even at minus two wounds, just taking, <laughs> taking what, 
seven or six to eight wounds from a swing is crazy just just because uh and when you're taking that many wounds does the plus two really matter like they weren't going to one shot something before <laughs> now they're still going to kill it in the two hits that they would have been required to kill it with before anyways so i don't know i think they're perfectly fine and i David think was they should have vicious <laughs> Just to make you feel that panic test. Add vicious. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> With intimidating presence. <laughs> yep. I mean, I can understand uh, it. Last intimidating presence. <laughs> uh, last unit we'll talk about is uh, the Bone Lord's Chosen. So I do want to bring up the followers of Bone as reference, just because you know you're. They are five points. The Bone Lord's Chosen is, I believe, seven. Uh, yep. So you're looking at a two-point extra investment in these guys, and seven points is a lot. You know, as we just discussed, that's a giant. Granted, you can't put your commander in a giant. Um, the Bone Lords Chosen uh, have um, – let me uh, look at the back of their card here to see if that changed. Um, so it's the same as it was uh, changed to – or changed to, I don't know, the 1.6 version that um, – Rattle Shirt does not have to be your commander. He just has to be in your army and in this unit. So you could run the attachment Rattle Shirt uh, and then run these guys still. Anyway, so essentially what you're paying two points for, uh, if uh, you're able to look at the follower bones, um, you're looking at plus one to hit, one extra die on the second rank, uh, one extra morale, and prey on fear, which is each time an enemy engaged with the unit fails a panic test, this unit restores two wounds. So uh, I think if Bone Lord's Chosen was not a unique unit that you could only run one of in with your commander, seven points would be perfectly fair. I think, in my opinion, they should be like six points. Like if you were to compare uh, Eddard's Honor Guard, who guard, like they're a unique unit for Eddard, uh, you can tell that they get like a small, like one point like discount because they're a unique unit meant for Eddard. So I almost feel like that's what the Bone Lords Chosen need to be. But if they weren't unique, I'd say they, they're perfect at seven. I think this, is, uh, this would be perfectly priced. Um, uh, we'll start with you, Justin. What do you, how do you feel about that? Uh, I don't know. When I see these guys, like they're super powerful for this this update. Uh, they can do so much damage, both defensively and offensively. The thing that I worry about is that this unit will just die. Like if it gets attacked first, it's only swinging with four dice. Yeah, horrific visage might do some damage beforehand, or a good chance because horrific visage is awesome now. But uh, they wouldn't get to heal from that with their Prey on Fear. So Prey on Fear has always been in a weird spot for me, and I've never valued it. Because the only things in the past, and kind of including this unit, that really benefit from it are super tanky units. Uh, units that aren't tanky, in my eyes, don't benefit from it. Because you have really two, like, two options for this guy to heal from it. When he attacks, which... Per- Preferably, you would love to attack when you're at, like, full health or whatever, because there's a decent chance 
if you're down to last rank, which is not hard to do against these guys, that your four dice may end up not even doing damage, and then they might not fail their panic test anyways. Um, like, if you have a weakened token with four dice, and they have decent defense, you, you're, they're passing their panic test by passing their armor. Um, but then if they get attacked and Horrific Visage goes off, uh, it's not going to save... Two wounds healing from a Horrific Visage is a lot of the times not going to save them. Either they're already going to be almost dead, or they're going to be at full health at where it doesn't matter, and then even if they were to heal two wounds at being almost dead, it's still going to kill them, probably. So, I don't know. I think Prey on Fear has always been slightly overvalued for units like this, which obviously goes into their point cost. I think you're close to the mark when you say six points is probably decent for them. Um, seven points is... This is one of those units that just falls in between the two for me. Yeah, I just look at it. Rattleshirt uh, is my favorite commander uh, in 1.6. He's my favorite. Uh, Mance is pretty close now, um, but I'm just going to say for the sake of it, Rattleshirt's still my favorite. And I want to thematically always pick these guys, but two extra points, I find myself, uh, I believe, in all of mine and Spencer's games running uh, just him and Followers of Bone. Uh, I don't even run the Bone Lord's Chosen because in a free folk list, when activations are a lot more uh, reduced in 2021, I just need those two extra points. I just don't have the luxury to run the Chosen uh, if I want to run, let's say, like um, uh, some attachments like, uh, man, what are the names? The Champions of Bone um, in my other units. Whereas if I run the Bone Lord's Chosen, now those two points come off of taking, like, two Champions of Bones off of other units. But, uh, Murray, what do you what do you think about these guys? Uh, I think they probably are overcosted. Um, I, you know, Prey and Fear is a nice, like, idea, but, um, anytime I've ever gotten, um, basically what they were, these were equivalent of, the, from 1.6, the, uh, Followers of the Bones into combat, uh, they would always melt, and, never had any staying power. I know that damage is being throttled down, but, you know, even if you're throwing six dice or four dice, I think there's better places to spend your uh, precious points on. Um, I'd much rather go with um, uh, Follower Bones um, and throw in a, an attachment to, you know, that but it could actually give them staying power or... Um, something that could boost up their offense, like, you know, either Star of Bone, I mean, Star of Chosen of Star to give them where they don't melt immediately from a charge, or um, Cave Dwellers uh, Alpha, so you can actually get some of that, uh, I guess, uh, yeah, Vicious, meh. but I don't know. Uh, it doesn't seem like the best place, you know, best uh, use of your points. Not really a fan. What about you, Spencer? How are you feeling about these guys? Uh, I think I would echo you guys. They feel more like a six-point unit because they are unique, so you can only have one of them. Uh, Perfect Massage is fantastic. The problem is it doesn't help against a ranged unit, so a ranged unit can still take them down pretty easily. 
Uh, up around here has always been an awkward spot, like Justin said. It, it, it's either going to work and it's not going to really matter, or it, it, it's a very odd, odd rule. <laughs> or it just doesn't work. work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it'll be yeah, interesting so. to see how these guys pan out. Um, but I guess we can uh, jump into the NCUs. We have five of them. Uh, we'll talk about Lady Val and Craster first because they only got changed a little bit. So they are now both four points. Uh, Craster is the same as before, but he has the added effect of once per game at the start of any turn, you may restore uh, two wounds to one friendly unit. So basically, you know, at the start of any turn, so your opponent's turn, your turn, just two extra wounds in there, um, you know, right when you need it. Like I was saying, with a giant, that's huge. For a giant, because you block uh, every two unblocked hits, uh, is, you know, you reduce basically damage by half. Two wounds is four wounds for a giant, essentially. So Craster is a, my personal favorite uh Free Folk uh, NCU right now of the five we have an option of. Uh, I think uh, it's going to be undervalued, those two wounds. Those two wounds are going to be huge. It can mean the difference going up a rank in order to, uh, you know, get you know that next uh, rank of attack. Uh, it could give you just enough wounds to survive an incoming attack so that you can maybe use regroup and reform on your turn. Uh, there's just so many things you can do with his uh, his new once per game effect. Uh, you can even take uh, you can start of your turn heal two, uh, take let's say another NCU and take the wealth heal three. Then on your next action, take Craster and take another spot, replace it and heal two and draw a card. Um, you know. There's a lot of combos and a lot of healing that Craster can end up doing for you. Uh, Murray, how do you feel about uh, this this new Craster here? Um, I think he's going to shine with stuff that is more defensive, like whether it's you're running something with a uh, uh, Walrus Clan or something like that, where that extra um, wound actually means something, or just the Giant's ability, or even your uh, your mammoth, you know, it's uh, keeping it from being um, as easily killed. Um, uh, and I just think he'll he'll probably shine as more and more things come out. That um, not to spoil anything, that could be cool. That where those wounds do matter. What about you, uh, Spencer? Uh, honestly, when looking at the NCUs, I think Craster might be the best. Um, healing two wounds and drawing a card, even though it's a replace effect, is very valuable, honestly. And then adding the once-per-game effect of giving two wounds right when you need them can really kind of shift the game a little bit. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, you would have to make sure that you use it just at the right time um, to really get its the max value out of it. 
Uh, Justin, we'll end, uh, end it off with you. What do you think about Craster? Uh, I mean, I don't really know much what else I could say that everyone else hasn't. I've always valued uh, <laughs> free folk NCUs as being unbelievably good for their point costs. I would have argued in the past that if factoring in their point costs, they were the best NCUs in the game, almost all of them. They were all so good, Craster being one of them easily. Um, and now they obviously they went up to four points because the way that everything's been shifting, which is totally cool. Um, and like you guys have said, this is you know for for having another ability, he's got almost half of what Tycho Nestoris has built into him. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's a that's actually a really good point. Um, you know, Tycho heals five across uh, any number of units, but, I mean, Craster heals two and then can continuously heal two and restore, and uh, draw a card. That's why I kind of stand by my uh, opinion that I think Tycho needs to be six wounds, heal six. I think that one extra wound would go a mile. Anyways, we're not talking about neutrals. <laughs> we're talking about free folk. Um, uh, so, yeah, I think... Uh, Craster is an awesome uh, NCU, and we'll uh, have to see how he plays out. Uh, Lady Val is next. She barely changed as well. Uh, she, if I'm not mistaken, it just added that uh, one enemy that you disengage from becomes vulnerable. So you replace the zone, neither get a maneuver or a treat, and I believe that's all she did before. Uh, but now she can throw a vulnerable token out there. Personally, I think she's my least favorite. Uh, she was probably my least favorite before. I think she definitely has her place. I have ran her in a handful of lists. It's not that I think she's like garbage or anything. I just, just not really my play style. Um, I've had a couple lists where I just go full tilt with, uh, with maneuverability and speed. So I'll run Lady Val combined with, uh, Egret, which we'll get to in a minute. And, uh, yeah, I think she has her place. She's just, uh, Probably on the lower end of the totem pole here. Um, Spencer, uh, what do you think? Yeah, I think she's going to have, like, a little niche where she's going to be good, possibly with, like, Harmer, because I believe Harmer has flanking abilities. So getting more maneuverability to try and get in the flank and such would be useful. Um, but I don't think she's going to work in every list kind of like she was when she was only three points. She's going to have more utility, I think, all the time where she's going to have limited use, and you don't want to re- you don't want to have two NCUs that replace effect, which is going to be a problem. Yeah, which leads me to... Yeah, which leads me to a... Oh, go ahead. I thought you were done. I was going to say, she's actually pretty good, and in most other factions, she would be used often, but it just doesn't work as well in free folk. Yeah, I uh, I think that's uh, an important thing to bring up is that um, with only five NCUs, because you don't have access to the neutrals, I really think uh, uh, free folk need some more uh, NCU options because let's say you take Mance or Sire as your commander, you now only have four options, two of which replace spots. Uh, it really makes the lineup very thin for options. Um, Murray, what do you think about uh, Lady Val? Um, 
I got to say, I think uh, one more point just to get a, a vulnerable token out if you're disengaging. Not that impressive to me. Um, I understand why they had to have a point increase, but, I mean, if you're comparing it to Craster, I mean, a card and two wounds whenever you need it uh, situationally, she doesn't really tra- like uh, call into question, like, who you're going to take unless you're looking at, like, I mean, Egrid, eh, not to get too ahead, like, I don't, I think she's probably is the weakest. Um, main reason you took her was for that three point and the fact that you could throw that maneuverability in. I think, like you guys have said, you're going to have to think long and hard about who is your, probably your second NCU, because um, probably Craster. And then, uh, do you go big and spend, you know, uh, on five points for, you know, Steyer or something? I don't know. I, I haven't fi- figured out where I land on whether you're a uh, two point or three. I mean, a two um, two NCU list or a three three NCU list. I think I'm leaning more towards two nowadays because of the point increase. But um, yeah, I, she's definitely pretty weak. So I was thinking instead of adding that vulnerable uh, to kind of play off like how they did Craster, it would have been cool if maybe she had uh, a once per game that she could get her free maneuver or retreat instead of replace. So if you claim a spot on the zone, you get the zone plus a maneuver or retreat action, uh, but only once in the whole game. So the rest of the game you would have to replace the zone and get it that way. But uh, that way you can, you know, you wouldn't have to replace the spot to get her effect. Um, I think that would be a lot more useful. Uh, and you could, you know, if you find the right time for it, I think it would be really valuable. Um, so, Justin, what do you think about uh, Lady Val? Uh, I think so. In 1.6, I thought she was extremely valuable, but. That wasn't necessarily because of her ability, but Free Folk's ability to run three NCUs at nine points, that was the more important part of her. Um, I'm glad, I'm very glad, I can't tell you how glad I am that NCUs have actually gone up in points. I absolutely hate seeing three NCUs on both sides of the field or any sides of the field, but that was just how it was played and we kind of went with it. Um, so I like the push away from it. However, I think it hurt her maybe more than anyone else. Because her ability's fine and all, but it's definitely not something that's ever been amazing. Um, well, I mean, it can be amazing for sure, but it just it wasn't one of the strongest. When she got activated, uh, if my opponent activated her, like a lot of NCUs, if someone were to activate it, I'd be like, oh, great, here we go. This is going to suck. But when she got <laughs> activated, I was just like, all right, I can, I can weather this movement. It's not a big deal. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, I think uh, you really just have to build your list uh, around, not around her, but you need to think of some uh, you know, ways to combo with her. Um, so one uh, combo that comes to mind is, uh, um, that we'll talk about in a minute here is Harma's Bannerman. You know, you get an effect if you get a retreat action. And, uh, you know, getting that retreat would be amazing. 
Um, sorry, there's uh, some background noise. I'm trying to figure out where it's coming from. Oh, stop. Uh, all right, so next up we have uh, Mance Raider. So a lot of people are really disappointed with uh, how he played out uh, or how he was changed. So before, you know, he threw out a, allowed you to throw out a token, uh, you could potentially shut off abilities and all these other stacked modifiers. Now it's uh, just you influence a unit, and every time that unit is targeted by the tactics, by a tactic zone, uh, before you resolve that zone, you draw a card. So uh, definitely nowhere near as powerful as he used to be. Um, and but I still like him. I, I like him a lot. I think he's my second favorite NCU. Um, I have, with how easy it is to play your tactics cards now, uh, that little extra bit of drawing is big. Uh, taking like the the mail to uh, uh, draw two, and then um, or influencing unit, drawing two. Uh, wait, hang on. Before resolving that zone's effect. Okay, so the timing's weird, but it would still work. You basically, who, uh, you take the mail, uh, you influence an enemy that you plan to put a weaken or a vulnerable or whatever on, and they've been targeted, and you draw another card. So essentially, you'd be drawing three tactics cards uh, from that interaction. Um, so it's, uh, you know, it's definitely... A nice ability, and I think uh, it's worth four points. Uh, he's going to be kind of undervalued at first, uh, but definitely nowhere near as good as he used to be. Um, Justin, we'll start with you for this one. What do you think? Uh, I guess I'm, even as not a free folk player, I'm sad to see him change. Uh, I guess I say that because I always thought he was one of the NCUs that took the most skill and could be the most debilitating to use really, really effectively. And holy crap, have I had some terrible experiences with Mance Raider. But I always thought he was super fair. Um, I hated having it happen against me. <laughs> it was really rough. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I definitely, I definitely thought he was fair. However, like you said, this is a really good ability still. Like, any ability to draw lots of tactics cards and free folk... Well, I guess double-edged sword, though, right? Like, if you're using them with, uh, with Crafter, maybe it's not a good thing because you'll get a five-card hand limit faster than you maybe want, even with the faster ability to play cards. So you just got to make sure you're using the right NCUs with them, but he's still really good. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I like I said, he's my second favorite, and I... Uh, I definitely like running him. Uh, it's just since Mance is one of my favorite commanders to run, when I run him, then I go, okay, Craster, and then I go, okay, who else? Um, you know, I don't really care for Lady Val for the most part. So then, uh, you know, that kind of just leaves me with uh, two other options um, to choose from, which is, I guess, going back to the fact what I was talking about with the lack of, op like, NCU choices. Because, you know, if you're running Mance, you have four options. So you, you choose Craster, now you you only have three to pick from for your second option. And especially if you want to run a three NCU uh, lineup, now you have to pick, uh, you have four options of which you're picking three of them. 
Um, so I, I can't wait for Free Folk to maybe get like another hero box and just get even two more NCUs, but it would be cool to see like three three new ones. Um, Murray, what do you think about Mance Raider? I'm definitely going to miss uh, old Mance. Um, he was great at just taking some uh, Cav and just turning him into nothing, taking away Lance and getting those three tokens out. It's at least in my experience, I didn't have that much trouble being able to shut down a unit or my opponent would have to use a huge amount of resources to shut down his abilities um, to make sure he didn't do anything. So either way, it was a win-win. But, I mean, I think it's perfectly fair to have him change this drastically. Uh, he... It does seem like a crowded space as far as ability goes, you know, with drawing cards. But, I mean, I don't know. I haven't had, obviously, got him on the table to play with, you know, to play with his new abilities yet. But um, it seems definitely powerful, but also could be double-edged sword. You could have your opponent just, you know, make you draw a lot of cards and then have to burn a bunch of them or burn some of them, you know. So. Yep. Uh, Spencer, what do you think? So, there's a slight problem, Murray. I've actually tried that exact tactic against David to try to make him draw cards, <laughs> and it still doesn't seem to matter. <laughs> yeah, free folk have, have too many good never... triggers. So, yeah, I, I've actually David, played against David with this card, and I've tried to make him draw himself out by turn four, and it that deck is never ending. Um, so <laughs> it, it's a nice ability because you can get one to two draws every turn, and then that's valuable. Uh, I'm I'm okay with it as a non-free flow player, just because I'm also looking at it as previous Mance was actually really annoying to play against as a Baratheon player. <laughs> uh, I'm already slow. I don't need to be slower. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So I, yeah, I'm okay with the changes, and uh, I think I think he's a solid MCU still. Um, so next up we have Egret, uh, Spearwise uh, Guile, influence. Uh, you can either influence a friendly unit to get plus one move and ignore hindering and rough keywords, or influence an enemy unit to get minus one move and disorderlies on ones and twos. Now I want to say I've seen so many people so disappointed with Egret's, uh, Egret's change, and I understand Egret was pretty uh, pretty useful before. I mean, again, when I faced Egret, I didn't really care all that much, you know, discarding a, a card... Um, was well worth just letting her not happen. Um, but I think her current version, uh, it's arguable if it's better or not, but I find it more useful uh, to and more flexible. Um, being able to either make, like, my savages just be, you know, rocket boosters across the field if you have Harma in there for a plus-one move. So now they're going – they're an 8-inch uh, movement. You know, 16-inch marches with, uh, you know, 8-inch free maneuvers. Uh, or the other thing that I love doing to Spencer is placing uh, Egret on his Rose Knights and making him a 6-inch march. <laughs> so with that said, uh, I'll have uh, Spencer go first. 
<laughs> What'd you say? I'm pretty sure you did it to my champion of the stag, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'll let you uh, talk about it first, Spencer. What do you think of Egret? Well, going back to what I just said about man, she annoys <laughs> me. <laughs> he would love to put it on my four-inch move unit and make him a three. It makes me sad, Panda, to have my champions of the stag moving only at a three. <laughs> um, I think she's actually pretty useful against specific armies like my Brassians. <laughs> um, but I do think she has less use against another fast unit. Like if she has to play against Targaryens, you're just like, well, moving a unit that's already a six move into a five unit, I'm not losing that much. But there are armies she could be very annoying against. And it's uh, important to note, you know, that ignoring uh, hindering and rough or adding disorderlies on ones and twos, you know, those are often, uh, I think, uh, kind of left out of the equation. And, you know, hindering uh, from, you know, me and Spencer have played quite a bit of games now with the new terrain, like a lot. And hindering... Um, even though, you know, you're more guaranteed to get into combat now that you don't have, like, the minus one move everywhere and disorderlies on ones, ones and twos, hindering is still a pretty big, uh, um, you know, hindrance. And, uh, you know, ignoring that, you know, let's say you're about to do, like, a, a shoot and then charge with your spearwives, being able to put egret on them to get a six-inch movement um, is huge. You know, and being able to just run right over a corpse pile without uh, needing to worry about it, and you ignore rough too, so it could be a bog, and you're ignoring, uh, you know, both of those effects. Uh, with that said, uh, Murray, what do you think about Tigret? She seems uh, pretty flexible as far as what you need in the moment. Um, of course, she's obviously less powerful, um, but she couldn't. She couldn't have really stayed, uh, I think, uh, what she was before with the, how important tactics card draw is now with the limited hand size and stuff. Um, she's obviously not as powerful as Vance or Craster, but she's not bad or anything like that. She just makes some things more sure and uh, maybe uh, deters some uh, more sketchier charges from your opponent. Less yellow Yeah, I think... Uh, yeah. Uh, I think she's, again, going to be kind of like Lady Val, that you're going to want to build her around some key elements in your own list, because influencing your own units for that plus one is a lot more reliable, because you don't know what you're going to face. So... You don't know if that minus one's really going to affect them, like Spencer said, with you know an all like tart uh, Dithraki force or something. You know that essentially is going to make that half of her card useless um, or very unimpactful. So you're going to want to build around her plus one movement to some degree. Uh, uh, Justin, what do you think? Uh, well, versatility is the name of the game with her, as it was said. I always hate going last because then I feel like I'm just repeating people. But uh, <laughs> um, I think she's really good. Spencer pointed out that she's really good against certain armies, Baratheon's being key there. 
And then the armies that she's not really good against, she's really good for your army. Uh, speed is so important in this game, and the like. The only time where fast units like have a questionable status is when they're stupidly squishy and they can't take a hit. But you can add speed to a really tough unit, and then all of a sudden it's like one of the best units in the game. So I think she's really good for four points. Um, I think it's just hard for people. I don't even know exactly what people are saying, but it can be hard when you have an ability that was deemed just absolutely phenomenal go down to an ability that's just good or even great. Like I think this, I think she's great, but not not stupidly amazing for or anything like that. I get what you're saying, and I just. I don't know. I like overall this version better, though, so, you know, it probably isn't as powerful. I just like what it does for the faction. Uh, and then last up, we have Steyre. He is all the rest for four points, but Steyre is five points. Influence, while influencing a friendly unit, that unit's melee attack gains plus one attack die and sundering. Um uh, Justin, we're going to actually go with you first for this one. Uh, what do you kind of, how are you feeling about this guy at five points? Okay, so I am sure, I haven't really like read the Facebook post, but I am sure that nobody is happy about this. <laughs> um, he's significantly <laughs> worse than he was, obviously. Not only did it get a price increase, but his ability is not as good. But with that being said, he was stupidly good before. He was arguably the best NCU in the game before that took no <laughs> no effort whatsoever to use. I'm sorry for anyone who takes offense to that, but he did not require effort <laughs> to use. You just put him on something, and you did a ton of damage for no reason. He was dumb, <laughs> giant. And so that, yeah, that's, that's the problem with this idiot. Um, I think... I think he's a four-point NCU right now, like with this ability. I don't think it's worth five, but I'm not, like, super upset to see him not be good after all the crap he's put people through. <laughs> so, like, I understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I understand that there's going to be complaints, and I'm not saying you're wrong, but ha! <laughs> so, I want to, before I jump over to you, Murray, I wanted to just throw in there that I sort of agree that I don't think he as is is five points. I think if it was just plus one attack die on so ranged and melee and sundering, he'd be five points. Just uh, take away the fact that it's only melee attacks, and I think he's perfect at five points with that because um, you know that way maybe you can throw it on the uh, spearwives and now you get plus one die on the, me- or on the ranged and sundering, and plus one die on the melee and sundering. Uh, but, I mean, it's five points. Five-point NCUs should be doing something cool like that. Um, and it's the only unit that really can maximize it to that degree. Um, so, yeah, I think, uh, I think that would be the only change I would do. As is, I... I think I've run Steyr once in all the games that I've played against Spencer. Um, I think I've only run him once, and I didn't even really like running him for five points. Uh, But, uh, Murray, what do you think about this guy? Everyone agrees he had to change. He might have got beaten way too hard down into the ground, but, I mean, it's perfectly reasonable um, to expect a harsh swing back uh, on on the pendulum uh, that he is, 
uh, I mean, uh, I've taken out um, cavalry, you know, heavy cav with him and Harma <laughs> in a bear, you know. It's, it's <laughs> stupid, but, you know, it was part of the game. So um, I think, yeah, if they added something a little bit more to the card to make him a little more um, – to match that five points, because you got to think that's that's a whole unit of um, of uh, spearwives or, or cave dwellers. Um, uh, it's, it's a tough sell, um, but I mean, I see that you know you throw this on like something like uh, cave dwellers and or even uh, spearwives, they hit pretty hard. So. I guess it depends upon what your build is. You throw him on, him on there and have maybe some Harma shenanigans getting uh, flanking maneuvers, throwing someone into the side or the rear. Uh, he'd probably mess some pretty tanky units up. So, um, yeah, I mean, I like it, but I don't think I would go out of my way to run it because I don't think maybe he's probably the most competitive option at the current uh, cost. Yeah. Uh, Spencer, what about you? I would say I'm probably in the same boat. He needed to change. He was too powerful. Is this version worth five points? I'm not sure. Um, I feel like there are scenarios where that would be worth five points, but it doesn't feel like it's consistently going to be worth five points. Uh, I do not like your idea of adding it to range. I do not need Spearwise running around <laughs> with adamantium spear <laughs> okay, instead but, uh, of running star, I'll just run two spear wives instead of one. <laughs> that's fine. It's one less than two. Then. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh, well, yeah, I, I do feel like he needs maybe a small buff somewhere. I'm just not entirely sure where that would fit. Maybe even like versatility. So um, plus one attack die and then choose one. You know, give them the option of like Sundering, Vicious, or Critical Blow, but you only get one. That way you're still only getting uh, a total of attack die plus keyword. But you got versatility and you're paying for the obviously the the plus one die and then the versatility of picking what will help. Because um, there's some units that it would be really nice to like put a bone lord's uh, or a champion of bone in, let's say, spearwise for intimidating presence. But that minus one, not so you know all that like intimidating. Uh, but if you can put Styre on them and choose plus one die, and then choose instead of sundering vicious for that uh, you know minus three, uh, maybe something like that would be uh, that'd be pretty cool. Um, so we'll jump over. I, we just finished uh, all the NCUs. Now we're going to the last part of the um, of the show, which is attachments. Uh, we will be doing all the tactics cards and the commanders for the next show. Uh, we just figured, uh, you know, like I said, we're going to have to do a two-parter. Uh, so this one was all about uh, the units, the NCUs, and the attachments we'll do the rest uh, for this coming Sunday's show. Um, so first up, we're going to talk about Harma's Bannerman. So Harma's Bannerman 
can only be taken if you take Harma. Uh, but I believe they've changed it. I know this is how it is now. I, for, I don't think it was this way before. Harma's Bannerman does not need to go in Harma's unit. Uh, and that's important because uh, he has uh, regroup. After completing a retreat action, this unit restores two wounds plus one wound for each of its destroyed ranks, and he ignores attachment uh, restrictions. So, uh, as Spencer could probably tell you, my absolute favorite combo in Free Folk right now is Spearwives with a Matriarch with Harma's Bannerman. Uh, the chance of you one-shotting anything in, one, uh, in 2021, very low. Uh, very low. And being able to take a charge to the face with Spearwives, retreat for free, then heal potentially three, four wounds to basically negate a lot of what you just did, just so I can then shoot and charge you for my combo, uh, is, is huge. Um, it's, it's crazy good. Uh, granted, yes, you're spending seven points for that combo, but I say it's worth every bit of it. Um, I'm going to jump over to you, Spencer, uh, for what do you think about uh, this and that combo? So I think he's just okay, but with that combo, he's actually really good um, with a Sphere of Life Matriarch in the unit as well to get that retreat without needing to use any other resource. Unfortunately for you in that game, it didn't go well when Caldrogo Expert Duelist your Matriarch, so you couldn't retreat anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's where uh, taking, I think in that game, I had to take the, the tactics board to actually retreat out of that one. Pretty sure you did. <laughs> but uh, it's a good combo. Uh, it, it, he did nice, but I, I think he's going to need that combo. That's where he's going to be. Yep. Or if you're going to run like Lady Val, that could be a reason to run Lady Val if you don't want to invest uh, a matriarch and the bannerman. <clears throat> So uh, one part I did forget to mention, uh, he does have an innate ability that he's Harma's uh, vassal. Uh, the model counts as Harma when being targeted for tactics cards, uh, which is nice to see. Uh, just a little extra benefit there. Um, Justin, how do you feel about uh, the Bannerman? How many points is he? Uh, one point. One point. I think he's phenomenal as long as you can... Uh... I mean, okay, maybe not phenomenal, but even with, like, the board or using it as an action, being able to heal uh, for free, basically, is always super nice, and one point's really not bad at all. Um, and, yeah, I, I he ignores attachment restrictions, so, like, he combos well in a lot of things, too. He could be tossed... Uh, I'm assuming that you're talking about the Spearwives, because they hit real hard on the charge, which is cool. Yeah. Um, but, no, I think he's I, I like him a lot. I think retreating and maneuvering is kind of what the free folk want to do a lot of the times anyways. Uh, so this really pairs well with the army in general. Yep. And uh, so uh, we'll talk about him next show, but I do want to throw in there the benefits he would get if Harma is your commander. And that's uh, in the hit and run, if it's Harma's unit, so also applying to him when you... Uh, disengage from the unit, they'll become weakened. And then swift reposition, uh, so 
you would get a three-inch maneuver instead of just a, sh a two-inch shift. So, and the third card doesn't have an effect. But just a nice little benefit there. Um, Murray, how do you feel about the Bannerman? Seems pretty good if you combo them, right? Or lackluster if you just stick them in a unit that can't take advantage of uh, retreating right away or something like that without the matriarch. Yeah, I think uh, possibly the Thens would be a cool little combo. I don't think it'd be as uh, impactful as the Spearwives, but you know, putting a matriarch and the Bannerman and some Thens taunting, uh, taunting someone into you, and then a free retreat away from that, and then regrouping to heal all your wounds back, uh, or not all of them, but you know, a bunch of wounds back would be a cool little uh, trick. Um, I think uh, that might be worth it, especially if you're able to kite a unit all over the board if you needed to. Uh, you know, for those that aren't familiar with the term, kite would basically be uh, you're forcing them to continuously keep charging you and then, uh, you know, every single round until they did something to, like, ruin that, either have something else charge you or, like, free maneuver so that they couldn't see you anymore, so that the taunt couldn't affect you. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, that's another little cool combo. I think uh, to really get the most out of regroup, you're going to want um, uh, a matriarch in there. Um, for that extra point, I think it's definitely going to be worth it. Uh, jumping over to Jarl. Um, Murray, you'll have to correct me. Has Jarl changed at all? Did they change any of the wording for outflank? Do you know? I'm not sure. It might be just they cleaned up some stuff, but I, it seems like it functions the same way as before. Uh, you know what? I'm going to actually look through my cards because I think I still have old Jarl sitting here. All right. Let's see. So old Jarl used to be you may hold Jarl's unit off the table instead of deploying them as normal. When you claim the horse, you may replace that zoned effect with deploy Jarl's unit anywhere fully within short range of a flank table edge. Uh and this is not their activation. Whereas now, outflank is just a general ability that a lot of factions have. You may hold the unit off the table in reserve instead of deploying. And when, you claim, when a friendly NCU claims uh, the maneuver, you may replace the zone's effect with deploy one unit from reserve fully within short range of any flank table edge. Um, so I believe it reads exactly as is. They just... It used to be called Jarl's Scouting Party. Now they've just made it a, a normal term outflank that uh, that a bunch of different factions have. So nothing else we kind of need to really talk about him. He's He pretty much, like you said, uh, Murray, he functions the same uh, as he did before. Uh, and funny thing to note is I literally, like, am one chapter past, uh, you know, where Jarl falls to his death. It was pretty funny. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned that. Cause oh. I was going to mention how useless of a character he is. <laughs> Just gets impaled on a tree. <laughs> the big bad raid leader who's gone up the wall like 12 times and he falls on a tree. That's what he gets for cheating and uh, climbing the tree to avoid like a couple hundred feet. <laughs> oh, sweet irony. Uh, next up, we have Rattleshirt. 
This is the um, attachment version. Uh, let me see here how many points he is. I want to say he's, he's still two points. Um, he has spread fear, which got way better. When an enemy engaged with this unit fails a panic test, target one other enemy in long range of this unit. It suffers one panic test with minus one to the roll for each remaining rank in this unit. On a failure, it suffers plus one wound. Uh, and then he also gives intimidating presence to the unit he's in. So uh, for two points, I think it's fair. Uh, I've seen some other attachments that are one point. They're just as good as him, in my opinion. But maybe it, I'm, I don't know. It's, it's one of those things that I think he's a solid two point. But compared to some of the other attachments out there that I've seen that are only one point, I could definitely see him being one point. I think it just, because our brains are so used to 1.6 and attachments costing a certain way, that one point seems outrageous for him. But I've seen so many one-point attachments that you would say, really, one point for that? Especially Greyjoys in particular. I've been playing a lot of Greyjoys and... Uh, you know, some of their one-point attachments are just crazy. Um, Jess, I want to jump to you first for him, uh, to, you know, because he's got that panic uh, theme going. How do you feel about this guy? It's just the perfect Bolton. <laughs> I I mean, he's, I love both of these abilities. Uh, Intimidating Presence is the coolest new ability out of this update for me, in my opinion. I like, any, I like passive effects a lot, uh, so... Intimidating presence is phenomenal, and like you said, spread fear went from utterly trash to being phenomenal. <laughs> like, so I love spread fear. I've only had spread fear really work decently for me, like one game out of like 800, and somehow it was getting Lannister <laughs> Guardsmen, and I'm not really sure what happened, and I'm super sorry that it happened. I killed like 12 guys with spread fear throughout the game. It was wild. So. Here's a little secret, Justin. Rattleshirt is actually Roose Bolton. That he, that's why he wears that bone mask. Oh, is he? <laughs> yeah. No, I, surprise, I just surprise. say that because he has this. <laughs> I say that because he has the same two abilities that Roose Bolton has. The commander version. He just doesn't have beautiful. affiliation house Bolton. <laughs> it's beautiful. I'm gonna use them both. Rules be damned. <laughs> just next time you play, you just uh, use my uh, rattle shirt model in place of Bruce Bolton. <laughs> no, no, I'm using um, both. Yep, just uh, they're sharing the same space on your tray. <laughs> um, Murray, what do you think about this guy? Oh, no, uh, it looks like we... Did we lose? Yeah, we lost Murray. So, uh, Spencer, we'll uh, jump over to you, and we'll see if maybe we can uh, reconnect to uh, um, uh, Murray. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think I'm going to echo you a little bit. It's just, he feels really good, but when you look at some what, what some of the one-point attachments do, you're just like, but I can just take a one-pointer instead of the two. And then it makes me cry <laughs> further when I think of Bone Lord's chosen with him as an attachment here as the nine point unit. Yep. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, that's could you really imagine, expensive to do with that. Could you imagine if he was one yeah. point and you uh, reduced the Bone Lord's chosen to six and now you're only spending seven points for that awesomeness? <laughs> I, 
oh, God, that would make me cry in a different way. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, the problem is, I go, he's he's too good to be one point, but it does feel bad to have him at two points, too. Yeah, that that's just the way it is, I guess, though. Yeah, uh, like I said, it's it's hard to say. These two abilities are so good that I can't blame Simon for making him two points. Um, you know, because that could be a lot of damage there, uh, combined with whoever you put him in. Um, so I don't know. I would say that uh, if you change the Bone Lord's Chosen to six points and leave him at two, or leave the Bone Lord's Chosen at seven and make him one. Uh, with the um, the first being the better of the two options, I think uh, would be a lot better. But like you said, paying nine points for him in some Bone Lords Chosen is just, I, I just can't see it um, with how many other good options think, there are. I think the other problem is if you change him to one point, you're still just going to see him get thrown in followers of Bone because he's doing exactly what a champion of bone does only with spread fear. That's that's quite a bit. <laughs> yep. Um let me see here for a second. I'm going to want to make sure that uh I have the right card that I'm gonna go to. Yep. So next up we have Tormund Giant Spain for two points as well. Uh, he has the Order Warcry. Start of a friendly turn, this unit performs one morale test. On a success, target one enemy in long range. It becomes panicked and vulnerable, and the unit he is in gets plus two to their morale test rolls, meaning they, you know, the stalwart will help Warcry go off. And one thing I want to point out immediately, uh, again, I think he needs to be one point, and I say that simply because of uh, Asha Greyjoy. Asha Greyjoy is a one-point attachment for for Greyjoys that has Warcry, and uh, I forget the name of the ability, but it makes the unit she's in morale five. It just sets it to a five. I think it's rally points or something. Rally? No, rally points where it's spread around. I believe it's just called rally. Yeah, either way, uh, I mean, stalwart and rally are almost just as good as each other. They're just be- some uh, one's good in certain situations, the other one's good in other situations. Um, for example, I like to put Asha in Trappers going from an 8 morale to a 5, I'm getting a plus 3 right there. Whereas if I put her in a unit that's like a 6 up morale, I'm only getting a plus 1. So that's where they kind of differ. But So I bring her up because I know it's a different faction and all, but I don't know, when you're free folk and you need that horde feel to really take advantage to, of what you're good at, two points is a lot for an attachment for free folk. And when you see another, you know, Greyjoy is like the next the next up for horde, um, right behind, like really at the heels, uh, in my opinion, of free folk for horde. Uh, and you see Asha, who is basically a copy, I wouldn't say a copy, like it's not like, Simon was like, oh, I have no idea what to do. <laughs> I just mean they're so similar that it's just, he's double. Like, I know it's just one extra point, but that's that's double the points that you're paying. So both great abilities, but I just don't know if I could ever run him at uh, 
at two points, especially because Warcry, I mean, a lot of the units that you'd put him in, you know, you'd go from like a seven to a five, so it's about the same that Asha would be. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. Um, Justin, what do you think? Hmm. I don't know. I don't, so we saw Warcry. Uh, um, no, I don't even remember. The Lannisters. And the Lannisters? Okay, so the first time I saw War- Warcry, I didn't love it. I don't think it's incredibly powerful because, well, context of the armies, right? Like, what are free folks' morale like on average? Not great. So you got a 50-50 chance every round for this to work, essentially, on most units. Um, his unit, well, I guess they probably get like a five, too. right? Yeah, so... yeah. I mean, it should go off a decent amount, but, like, his whole thing basically is just panic and vulnerable, and with panic damage going down Warcry, or uh, Stalwart's not as valuable as it was, especially Free Folk, where you can have a Horde-type faction taking D3 wounds on a failed panic test. Not so bad. I mean, yeah, you got Cowardly on the tr- on the Raiders. Not Cowardly, uh, Disorganized, my bad. Um, but, yeah, I don't see... Stellar's still great, by all means, but it's nowhere near as great as it was. Just that one damage difference really, really makes all the difference. Um, yep. And then I, I don't love Warcry. I just, I don't. I didn't when I first saw it, and I, I don't now. I think, like you're saying, it's context, because uh, if you put, uh, who is it that has, uh, it's the Champion of the Faith. Uh, if you put him in a unit of... Uh, poor fellows who's only four points and he's one point you're looking at a five point unit that can throw war cries at a morale of four all over the place and the big thing about war cry is it's long range doesn't need line of sight so you're just panic vulnerable panic vulnerable and Tormund and Asha it's a lot more reasonable because they're unique characters I know we're kind of off into Lannister, Lannister territory. I'm just mentioning how effective it is in Lannisters because you can just run two cheapo five-point poor fellows with them and then just have these token generators that don't need line of sight and long range and start of a friendly turn. It's just kind of crazy. But anyways, back to Tormund. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I just, with all the other options, I just don't see myself ever taking him. Uh, Spencer, what do you think? Yeah, uh, well, first I looked it up. Uh, Asha Greyjoy's little thing is inspiring presence. Um, but getting okay, back yeah. to Torment, getting back to Torment, yeah, for two points, it's just, I struggle to see where he would have a place. Um, I think if he was one point, you'd go, okay, you could throw him in a unit of Raiders, four points, and just token generate him uh, for a five morale. As is, I go. I feel like he's not doing enough for the army for two points. Yeah, uh, especially uh, to segue into our last uh, thing. Uh, I mean, there's technically four, but we're going to be talking about the skin changer and his three uh, bonded uh, animals. You know, for two points, you can take the skin changer, which gives also gives uh, stalwart for that plus two morale, and then 
Now instead of Warcry, you're getting Bonded Skin Changer, uh, and he's not unique, so you can throw a bunch of them out there. Uh, and you're looking at, um, let's see, first we'll talk about is the Wolf. Um, the Wolf and the Eagle both have, uh, each time this unit is selected, target one enemy, attach this card to that enemy until the end of the round, place this model near the unit to mark the tray. The model is ignored, ignored for all purposes. So important to note is that you can now pick between all three animals at the start of every round, I believe. Um, each time this unit is selected, target one enemy. Uh, so I'm not really sure Let's see, once each turn, when this unit performs a maneuver or march, so I'm kind of confused on the timing here. Each time this unit is selected, selected for what? They mean like activate, when you activate the unit? Um, so this unit was selected. Yeah, so you would start, chainer. you should start with skin changer. At the start of each round, select bear, eagle, or wolf. And that's your trigger because at the start of the round, you've selected the bear, eagle, or wolf. Oh, I see. Yeah, so I kind of skipped the bonded skin changer text. So at the start of each round, select you know one of the three and then see that un unit's card. Okay, so sorry, everyone listening. I was kind of having a brain fart there. Uh, so the wolf has predator's instincts. Each time this unit charges... It suffers a disorderly charge on rolls of ones and twos. When the model skin changer unit charges this unit, they may re-roll any charge distance. So really useful. Uh, I'm going to kind of just talk about all three real quick and then have you guys jump in. Um, so yeah, uh, combined with like Egret for the ones and twos on disorderlies and then some wolves out there and then you get re to re-roll your distance. Uh, yeah, I think super uh, super useful. Eagle, though, a little less so, but still, um, the fact that you can pick between the three is what I think, you know, even though the eagle doesn't stand out a lot, you still have the, the versatility of being able to choose it when it um, suits you, uh, the situation. So once each turn, when this unit performs a maneuver or march action before resolving that action, referring to the, the enemy that you place this next to, the model's skin changer unit may perform a two-inch shift. So you could either make it be that you shift two inches forward uh, to get closer, or let's say you know they're about to try to charge you, you could shift two inches back, almost putting yourself outside of the comfortable charging distance. Uh, and then lastly, we have the bonded bear, this unit has only one wound and cannot grant victory points. If this unit is destroyed, it cannot be selected by its skin changer again. If this unit was selected when its bonded skin changer activates, deploy it engaged in the front or flank of one enemy engaged, uh, engaging its skin changer. It then performs one melee attack action. Remove this unit at the end of the round, uh, which its attack profile would be... Um, not granting uh, defensive saves. It's one die on a three up. Uh, has a five up save, a two up morale, and a five move. Um, so the no longer, I believe, has vicious. So you're basically just doing uh, a little poke damage, which is still nice. It's it, as long as you kill something, you're going to trigger a panic test, and then the unit, the um, 
skin changer and could cause its own panic test. Um, so yeah, uh, interesting. Uh, I would say overall, um, I just personally couldn't see myself taking the skin changer over a walrus chieftain for two points. But that's not to say that the skin changer is never going to be used. I think it definitely has its place. Um, I just it's just personal preference that I the Waller's Chieftain is such a good uh, value for its points when you can get a one point discount on uh, Raiders that uh, it's just hard to especially with the Raiders getting that boost in morale um, that stalwart is a little less tempting uh, uh, Justin what do you think about the skin changer and its three uh, animals I like that none of the three animals stick out so dramatically compared to the rest. Bear. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, everyone used to use the bear. The bear is significantly worse than it was, but that's not to say it's bad by any means. Use it when you need to. The first couple rounds, maybe you don't have it out there or whatever the case. But, like, this is way better, in my opinion, for the, the flavor that a skin changer should be. They're using the, what the, the tool they need at the time, not just... I got a bear. I got six bears. I got a circus of bears, and I'm just going to do, over the course of the game, 25 wounds of bears because they're bears. <laughs> Who cares? Oh, this is better. It sounds like the better. song they sing in the books. The bear, the bear, and the maiden fair. <laughs> um, Spencer, what do you think about the skin changers? So... Much like you, I don't like that they're two points. I feel like that puts them in competition with the Walrus Chieftain, who is, in my opinion, better. However, I do think there's interesting things you can do with the skin changer. Uh, turn one, I definitely think you're going to be using the Eagle to get that for two movement. And as you pointed out, it can be used as almost a counter charge maneuver or shift. Um, there's interesting things. Uh, Putting the bear in the flank when you do your attack to get a flank attack to increase the, the morale for the panic test if you wound. Um, yeah, there's interesting things you can do. I just it's unfortunate that it's going to compete with a wall receipt game. Yep. I uh, <clears throat> I don't know. I I like it. Um, I would have loved to have maybe even seen stalwart go away and just make it a one point attachment uh it would i think you would see a lot more skin changers because it's not like the bear is some extra activation thing it's just a little poke damage now so and if i recall one thing i almost forgot to mention i'm pretty sure let me uh look here real quick um Yep, the skin changer lost the ability to ignore attachment restrictions so i think taking away stalwart and just uh, making it a one-point attachment and maybe a future attachment come down the line, give that attachment the ability to give your army stalwart would be a little better. Um, that way you'll see a lot more skin changers on the table, which I think is a super unique uh, thing to the faction that uh, it, it would be sad to see the skin t changers not taken simply because two points attachments is a little, you know, that's high for free folk. Um, I would love to see, you know, skin changers, especially Justin, I don't know if you remember the free folk player I played at the last indie event, his custom uh, skin changer guys that he uh, yeah, I do. modeled. I remember. Yeah, those guys were awesome looking. So, yeah, I just, something like that. Um, but 
at two points, I think definitely worth it, definitely fair, and definitely have their uh, place. Um, so, yeah, to kind of wrap it up, uh, that is everything, and we are almost out of time with just that. Uh, so I thank you all that made it this far and listened to everything. Um, you know, definitely be back for uh, Sunday's show or, you know, listen to that next show where we uh, wrap up the entire faction uh, for the 2021 or 2021 reveals. Um, overall, super happy with the faction. Um, I think uh, Greyjoys and Free Folk are the most well-balanced of all of the eight factions that we have currently. Uh, and I'm not trying to say that like the game's so unbalanced or this or that i'm just i'm just saying like if i had to put them on a, a ranking scale i think simon did a fantastic job with free folk and uh Greyjoys. and though those two might seem weak compared to a lot of the other factions i think it's because nothing stands out as uh to me like way too powerful i think they did just an amazing job to make things some some hard-hitting things and some you know really well-made combos, uh, whereas there's some, uh, let's just put it as over-tuned things in other factions. Uh, so lastly, uh, so we'll uh, go with you first, uh, Spencer. What's your final kind of takeaway about Free Folk? Uh, I would actually say pretty much what you just said. Uh, I actually think they're really balanced. Um, I know it's unfortunate that trappers are significantly worse than they were, but I think for the most part, they have one of the most balanced factions where nothing feels broken. So your opponent doesn't feel bad having to face them. Whereas <laughs> there are combos, I think, from other armies where you're just like, man, do I really got to play this game? Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, balance is what we should all be wanting, in my opinion. Balanced factions are fun to play against and play with when you can play with a little bit of everything. Yep. And free folk are factions that are that way. So, in my opinion, that's good for that, for those players. Justin, how about you? What's your final takeaway? Uh, well, I haven't got to see them in action, so all I know is on paper. Uh, so as far as, like, balance goes, initial impressions, sure. Uh, I agree that trappers seem pretty meh. Uh, which is a shame. Trappers were a pretty, like, big staple of the army. I think raiders are going to be one of the most cost-efficient units in the game, but that's not to say I'm, like, worried about it, because even if... When you have, like, really weak units that are broken, it's still manageable, because you can still kill them. Uh, it's not like some indestructible unit that's just making your life terrible for literally ever. Um, so I'm I'm happy to see raiders where they're at. I know people were a little concerned about them, uh, I thought they were good before. I think they're better now. Um, the rest of it, I think it's pretty awesome. I think it's going to be a hard change with NCU price upgrades. Not not that it's not warranted, but Free Folk were always the faction that should have been running three NCUs compared to every other faction kind of deal. Um, it's just going to be a hard adaptation, but I think the players are more than up to it. So, uh, yeah. That's that's my impressions. Yep. And one thing I wanted to uh, point out that I think we kind of forgot real quickly about raiders, their increase to that morale and less damage when they fail uh, from disorganized, um, it actually impacts uh, Endless Horde because you can get 
two free raider units with endless horde and now you have two units that are in my opinion significantly better in the morale category uh, so that kind of just i think uh, incidentally just made that card so much better just for uh getting a free unit of raiders on the table so with that said uh wrap it up i think we've said all we kind of need to say um you know I have to, you know, hats off to Simon. Amazing uh, job with the free folks of action. You know, not perfect. Uh, a couple little things, you know, obviously made uh, clear that it would be kind of cool to see a couple of small changes. But overall, I mean, I really can't complain about the faction. They did a wonderful job. Um, so with that said, thank you all for listening in. If you have not already, please go find us on Facebook and like our page. Uh, we do give away uh, a unit box to uh, some, a random uh, person who has liked our page for every 100 we hit. I believe we're close to about 750 now. If we hit uh, 800, we'll do another giveaway. At 1,000, we'll give away a starter box to someone. So definitely try to share it out. Uh, try to get your, even if you have gaming buddies, uh, you know, let them know about our show and you know that's the best way you can do to you know to help support us um we don't currently have a patreon or anything so just uh you know word of mouth and just kind of sharing out our show is the best way you can uh, show your support um so yeah thank you all for listening in this is the small council radio and it is dismissed <laughs>